Hi there, this is Erica, and you're listening to Mommy Needs to Eat Too, empowering bad bitches from all walks of life. Now, at the top of the show, I just want to let you know that I do have a Patreon page if you would like access to exclusive content, maybe some bonus episodes from time to time, and you also have the ability to ask me one question every six months, or when I start having guests on the show, you can ask one question of a guest every six months. Now, without any further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hey guys, I'm just popping in here real quick to, first of all, apologize that I'm just now getting this week's episode up. (laughs) It has been a complete nightmare getting this audio recorded this week. For whatever reason, it seems every time I would turn around, I would record the full-on episode and I'd look down at my phone and it hadn't recorded it. So I don't know if there's some kind of malfunction within my app. I don't know if there's a malfunction within my mic, but it has been a... or maybe it's just user error. And secondly, I want to apologize because the audio is all over the place this week. It's just because I've, I recorded on my phone, I recorded on my iPad, I recorded with my mic, I recorded, I don't think I recorded on a laptop this week, and I recorded on various apps, and just trying to get this audio recorded has just been a shit show, so per the usual, the audio is shitty, but it's especially shitty this week, um, so I apologize, but please stay with me. I'm, I'm learning and I'm, this week I have a very, very important message to convey. So enjoy. (sighs) All right, you guys, this is going to be a heavy one. And honestly, I've been toying with the idea of having this episode for this week, the week before Thanksgiving, because I know that suicides and symptoms of depression are much more prevalent during the holidays. So I I had been debating whether or not to do this topic before the holiday season. And you guys are going to have to forgive me because this is going to be, this is going to be tough for me. And it's not going to, there's not going to be any humor for the most part. Um, It's going to be a tough one. And I was even so to the point of not dreading, but almost dreading doing this because that I even put up a poll. I know some of you saw on Instagram and some on Facebook. I did a poll um, this week. Do you want to hear about singing or do you want to hear about mental health? And mental health went out, which was not really how I had anticipated this going. I was actually trying to use it as a cop out to get out of uh, uploading this episode this week. But here we are. So I want to do a disclaimer slash trigger warning right now. This episode is going to describe depression, anxiety, um, self-harm, suicidal thoughts, and ideations. So first of all, if this is something that you're struggling with, please, please stop what you're doing. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800 273-8255. Again, that's 800-273-8255. Additionally, I will have some links in the show description for various places you can go for help because this is not something that you have to struggle with. It's not something you have to deal with on your own. And I wish that someone had told that to me. Someone had told me that when I was younger. I wish that I had even known what I was dealing with 
when I was younger. I just wanted to let you know at the very top of the show that this is going to be a really fucking heavy one. It's going to get tough. And um, if you feel like this will trigger you, please, please don't listen. Please just check out the links that I have in the show description. You know, get some support, get some help. There's no shame in that. No shame whatsoever. And fuck anyone who says there is. Now, we're going to get into my my struggles with mental health. Um, honestly, I probably could have been diagnosed in elementary school. That's how early on I remember having some issues. Nothing super intense, but I do remember vividly in fifth grade that I was just so distraught for no real reason. I just was so sad and so down and angry and confused. And I remember writing in my diary because, yes, I was one of those kids. I kept a diary. I kept a diary for a, many, many years. I was a writer as a child. I did a lot of, you know, poetry, short stories, that sort of thing. Anyhow, I digress per the usual. But I do remember making a very specific diary entry that maybe I should talk to the school counselor because I was just feeling way too much stress, anxiety, sadness for an 11-year-old kid, right? Just looking back, it breaks my heart. And I hope to God that my babies don't have to deal with this, that I don't pass this on to them because I cannot, I would not forgive myself. Whew, okay. Like I said, this is going to be a heavy one. It's going to be deep. And I'm trying to hold it together. So I apologize, but this is what you're getting into, folks. It's going to get real fucking real. <laughs> um, so fun fact. And okay, so this episode, I don't think we're going to call them fun facts because these are not fucking fun. These are terrible facts. The first fact that I want to bring to you is that in the U.S., there are over 3 million cases per year of clinical slash major depression diagnosed. That's over 3 million fucking people in the U.S. every year. Thankfully, most of those cases resolve within a few months. And I would venture to guess that resolve means either they started going to therapy or they, they got on some medication or possibly even their life circumstances resolved to the point that they were no longer depressed about their life circumstances. Because that's the thing. There are different types of... And okay, disclaimer, I'm not a fucking doctor. I'm just speaking from my experience here. Like, I, I am not going to diagnose or treat, you know, I, I can't do any of that shit. Like, let's, let's get it straight. I am not trying to diagnose anybody. And I am not an expert in the terms of the science. But I am an expert in the terms that I have dealt with this for most of my life. I am an experiential expert. I think I just coined a new term, a new phrase. Maybe not. But there are different types of depression that people experience. For some, it's triggered by a life event, you know, a divorce, a death, a job loss, something major. You know, there's also, we know about postpartum depression, which I'll get into later on in the episode. There's also just the depression that 
what seems to be what I have is that some some kind of chemical imbalance in my brain that it's just a lifelong fucking thing for me. It's It doesn't matter how well things are going. I mean, it could be the best time of my life. And if I'm not medicated, I am a miserable fucking bitch. <laughs> like, and that's, I don't know, I, you know. I don't say that to condescend to anyone who experiences mental health issues. You're not a bitch. Like, I'm just, that's just how I would describe myself. So anyhow, elementary school, and more specifically, I would say fifth grade is when I really remember starting to have issues. And I would guess that's with the onset of puberty. I mean, I think the onset of puberty has a lot to do with my depression and my the start of my depression. Anyhow, obviously, I'm not still in fucking puberty. So obviously in middle school, it began to escalate. I remember performing acts of self-harm before I even knew what self-harm was, before cutting was a thing. I remember getting a safety pen and fantasizing about stabbing myself just to feel the pain. And again, as I said at the top of the show, trigger warning for, you know, those who have experienced depression, self-harm, suicidal, th suicidal thoughts, and ideations. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, not going to get too graphic, but I am going to tell you what I did. I'm not going to sugarcoat it because that's bullshit. I think we need more transparency when it comes to mental health and the issues that surround mental health. You know, we're just breaking down walls over here. Fuck the stigma. Fuck the walls, right? So I remember specifically like safety pens. I wanted I didn't actually start cutting yet, but there was a lot of like fantasizing and I would start to kind of stick a safety, a safety pin into my skin just to feel the pain. On a lighter note, um, some of you have probably seen the <laughs> photo I shared on Instagram and Facebook of me in a cheerleading outfit. Um, that was seventh grade. I was 13. Things were really, really going hard then in terms of my depression. And let's be real, I, that was like the most awkward fucking stage of my life. <laughs> the super, the super short permed hair, the glasses. I was real skinny, and it was just—it's not a good look, right? <laughs> so that couldn't have helped anything. And I remember, oh my god, that was around the time that my mom started letting me wear eyeshadow. And I remember one day, because I thought, oh, green eyeshadow would be so pretty. Oh, my God. Not for not for me. My eyes are hazel. Very greenish hazel. Um, I'm olive complected. And with, you know, with the right tools and application, yes, a green eyeshadow would be really nice on me. However, 13-year-old Erica did not know how to apply eyeshadow. And so I just got this green eyeshadow and I put it all over my fucking eyelid and I smudged it up all over to the crease. And I remember going into school and one of my friends was like, uh, you look like you got punched in the eyes. And that was obviously, that was obviously humiliating. <laughs> but middle school was when my depression really began to intensify and I actually suffered from some eating disorders and that's... That's a whole other issue for a whole different episode that I will get into sometime later on. So the summer before my freshman year of high school, 
we found out that my father was going to be deployed for the entirety of my freshman year. So my parents sat down with my brother and I and let us know that we had two options. We could either continue going to school where we were, and then at the end of my freshman year, we could move to Illinois, or we could go ahead and move right then, move in with my mom's parents. I would complete my freshman year of high school at one school, and then when my father returned from the deployment, at the end of my freshman year, we would move and I would we would start at another school. Um, and I've always been one to just rip the band-aid off, like let's just get it over with. And it was the middle of the summer and I just, I wasn't as in touch with my friends then. And I, I felt like it would have been much more difficult after going through the entire school year and being so connected with them to then turn around and move. My preference was that we moved then and then moved again at the end of my freshman year, which looking back now seems a little absurd, but <laughs> that's what we did. <laughs> so I would consider um, the school district that my brother and I were coming from a private school. I would compare it to a private school. And then, you know, the district that we moved to my freshman year and then subsequently my sophomore year, definitely a public school. So, you know, it was just a very immense culture shock for me. And maybe this just speaks to my naivete at the time, but it was like all of a sudden everyone was drinking, smoking pot and having sex. And, you know, none of my friends back home were, <laughs> were at least most of my friends back home were not into those sorts of things. So it was... It was a huge culture shock, you know, and stir that in with, you know, my developing symptoms of depression, my father being on deployment, and just, you know, being in a completely new place with no friends. And that was one of the absolute worst years of my life. And it's not like I was being bullied or anything like that, but I would just dread going to school in the morning. And I was always one that I would want to go to school even when I was sick. But that year, I just, I would find myself coming up with every reason possible to not go in. And I missed so much school that year, more than I'd ever missed any other year. And I literally was sick to my stomach most mornings. I couldn't eat. And I was just absolutely miserable. And that was around the time when I started to fantasize about suicide. Um, I had a bottle of pills in my room. I don't, I don't remember what they were for. I just remember that there was the thought that I could take that bottle of pills and it would all be over. Now, I don't subscribe to the religion that I was raised in, nor do I subscribe to the God that I was raised to believe in. However, I will say that there was a woman at the church that I was going to at the time who was praying over me, and she probably saved my life, in all honesty. She was praying over me, and she just looked at me, and she said, I just, I see suicide, I see depression, and I, I see suicide on you and something in me broke in that moment and I just sobbed because it was true. 
Now, do I think God told her that? I don't know. You know, I, I don't, I'm not here to try and figure out why. That's a discussion for an entirely different episode, and we will get into that. But for now, suffice it to say, she felt something, she saw something in me, and she was brave enough to speak out what she saw, and therefore changed the current path of my life. And that's not to say that I didn't continue to experience depression and suicidal thoughts throughout high school because I did. You know, later on, I sat down with my mom and I said, you have to take this bottle of pills and get it out of my room because I've been considering taking this full bottle of pills. So my sophomore year, we moved again. (laughs) And thankfully this time, I already had some friends and knew some people that were going to that school because a lot of them went to church with me. Now, in some ways it helped me assimilate, but in others it didn't really make a difference because a good chunk of them didn't give a flying fuck that I was there. And (laughs) that's, you know, that's fine. But I would say my sophomore year of high school was when I really got into um, self-harm and more specifically into cutting. And again, my instrument of choice was typically a safety pin. And um, there were other times when I would sneak a steak knife in the kitchen and just make a quick cut here and there. Um, And I have scars on my arm to this day from various self-inflicted cuts. And, you know, it's something I continued into early adulthood even. And it sucks because I know someday I'm going to have to explain these scars to my babies. And on one hand, I mean, it's probably good because we're going to be able to have that open and honest conversation. And if these are issues that they struggle with, they're going to know they can come to mommy. But on the other hand, it just fucking sucks. Because I don't... I just so desperately don't want my children to have to go through this. And I just want to try to explain for those of you who have never... cut or dabbled in any type of self-harm, I want to try to explain the the logic, I guess, behind it. Um, so I want to preface everything by saying this is my experience, these are my experiences, and I certainly do not speak on behalf of anyone else. You know, I don't know that this is what everyone else experiences this is maybe not what everyone else believes but I'm I want to really iterate that I'm speaking from solely from my own experiences that being said sometimes the cutting and the self-harm was a way to just fucking feel something because I would push down these emotions and not 
deal with them to the point that I was numb. And I just wanted to fucking feel something. Even if it was just a physical pain, it didn't matter. I had to feel something. And then there were other times that the emotional pain was so, so strong. And the hopelessness and the despair was so fucking real that I had to use something to distract myself. And that physical pain was a way to do that for me. And that's, I mean, that's really the best way that I can describe it. And I, you know, I did have other coping methods. I, I was very into music and singing. Um, I was really into Evanescence for a while there. <laughs> and I also wrote a lot of poetry, just really dark shit. I mean, just really, really dark, dark poetry. And I want to say that um, another coping mechanism that I used was to push down all of the negative feelings and present a happy, gregarious, bubbly persona. I mean, it was to the point, it was just over the top. And I, th I think it's one of those things, I don't think it was a conscious thing, it was a subconscious thing. And it was almost like I was trying to fool myself into thinking that I was okay and that I was this happy, bubbly, funny person when the whole time I would go home and I would hate myself and I would harm myself and I would think of taking my life. So that being said, you can't always look for typical symptoms in other people. And that brings me to another not fun fact. <laughs> Depression presents itself very differently between men and women. And again, this is just the typical, this is not for everyone. This does not apply to every single man and every single woman. I'm just saying, typically women present with symptoms such as you know, withdrawing, loneliness, sadness... We do lash out and get angry, but from what I've read, men typically lash out more. And it's, that's not to say that women don't lash out, because I, trust me, I lash out at some people. But for the most part, men, and I think it's because of, you know, society's standards between men and women, you know, that men have to be strong. And I'm using air quotes here. It's okay for them to display anger, but it's not okay for them to cry. Again, those are not my fucking beliefs. I'm just, I'm trying to explain why I think that, you know, men and women typically express their depression in different ways. So, it was probably, it was after I graduated high school that I started medication. I remember one day my mom sat me down and was asking me, hey, do you have these symptoms? Is this what's going on with you? And thank God or whomever that she did that because that's that's when things really really turned around for me and I told her you know yeah I do have these symptoms I do feel this way and up to that point I just thought that this was my life this was how I was going to be I didn't really think there didn't realize there was a name for it 
didn't realize there was a, a label I could put on this. I just thought this is how my life is and I'm just bound to be sad all the time. And so she, you know, we made an appointment with a doctor and after speaking with me, she said, you know, you definitely, I'm definitely going to diagnose you with major depressive disorder and recommend that you start an antidepressant. And I did. It's, uh, I've been on the same one this whole time. It, <laughs> it's the off-brand version of Zoloft. Um, <laughs> off-brand. My husband was making fun of me the other day because I called it off-brand. The generic version of Zoloft, which is sertraline. So she started me on that, and within just a few weeks, I was a completely different person. And, you know, that's not to say that I don't get sad, that I don't get angry, that I don't have bad days, but I, I like myself now, and I don't feel the need to harm myself anymore. And that's the thing about depression. At least, again, this is my experience. I know it's not the same for everyone. But for me, I could be in the absolute best time of my life, in the best position. My relationships could be fulfilling. My career and education could be fulfilling. Everything could be going the best that it possibly could be. And yet, I would still come home at the end of the night. I would go by myself and I I would be so sad and lonely and hopeless and it just it it doesn't make sense but that's just how it was that's how it is for a lot of people so after being on the Zoloft for probably a good year I weaned myself off this was not under the advice or direction of any medical professional and I would not recommend it unless you speak to your primary care physician, but it worked for me, thankfully, luckily for me. And I was actually off of antidepressants for a few years, and then it just came back with such force. And it took me a little while to realize it, and unfortunately, you know, some of the people that I was closest to suffered because I was not myself. Um, I was in a relationship at the time. I actually ended up marrying him. Not the man that I'm married to now. <laughs> That's a story for another time. This this episode is getting heavy enough. I don't want to get into that just yet. But it was not a good relationship. Uh, we just were not good for each other. Um, and I would just get... And neither of us were perfect in that relationship, of course. And I, there were times, there were a couple of times that I punched him and hit him. And that's, that is not my personality at all. That's not me normally. And I don't want to make any excuses for that. But I will, I mean, it's, it, it wasn't unprovoked. And again, I'm not trying to make excuses but I had, you know, I never hit anybody before in my life. <laughs> I mean, maybe my brother, but that was about it to that point. And since, I haven't hit anyone. <sighs> and again, well, more on that later. It's not for this episode. I can recall one specific night 
that I drove my car and parked in a hotel parking lot. And I started writing out a suicide letter on a napkin. And I was cutting myself in my car. And I just, I remember writing on this napkin, because that's what I had in my car. You know, apologizing to my mom and dad. Apologizing to my family for what I was about to do. And asking them not to blame themselves. Thankfully, I didn't go through with it. Someone came in the nick of time and convinced me to to knock it off, basically. Not in so many words, of course. But I did hold on to that that letter just in case. Held on to it for a long time. And it wasn't long after that that I realized I needed to get back on some medication. So I found a new primary care physician. She put me back on the sertraline. And, you know, again, it's, it's like a night and day thing for me. Within just a couple of weeks even, I'm a totally different human. And, I mean, after a year or so of being back on, I had to actually go back in and have her increase the dosage for me. And I think that's a thing that happens from time to time, from my understanding, especially with those of us who are on an antidepressant long term. And again, from my understanding, that's not a common thing. Um, I recently changed primary care physicians. I've changed them a lot in the last few years. (laughs) But he he was like, how long have you been on the sertraline? And I, you know, I told him it had been many years at this point. And he was like, well, have you ever you know, tried weaning off of it. And I, you know, I told him about the time in my early 20s when I did. But a few years later, I ended up getting back on it. And he was like, oh, yeah, you you, you probably need to be on it long term forever. You know, maybe eventually we can discuss weaning you off of it. But it sounds like it's something that your body literally needs. So that brings me to another time when I had to have my dosage increased. And it stayed the same since then. Um, when my after my daughter was born, I definitely had some postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And you would think that having dealt with depression for most of my life, I would have realized it. And going into it, I thought, okay, I've dealt with this. I know how to deal with this. I'm medicated. And if things start to get to the point where I'm getting depressed, like, I know how to deal with it, I know how to fix it, I can call my doctor, you know. I was nervous because I had a feeling I would experience the postpartum depression because I'm already prone to depression. But the weird thing is, is that it didn't present in the same way that the clinical or major depression presents for me. And, you know, I'm going to say it again, <laughs> this is not everyone's experience, this This is my experience. I can't speak to anyone else's experience. But I went in for my six-week checkup after my daughter was born. And, you know, for those of you women who've had babies, you know, they have you fill out this form each time you go in for so long after. And even my pediatrician even had me fill it out a few times at the first few appointments. And um, I filled it out. And it's a screening for, you know, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. And my OBGYN looked at me and said, wow, you scored really high on the anxiety portion. And I was like, what? Really? 
And then I thought about it and I was like, well, yeah, I guess, I guess I have been pretty anxious. I just thought it was part of being a mom and all the new emotions that come with that. And um, as we got to talking about it, we realized that I was also experiencing some postpartum depression as well. And so then, you know, we increased the dosage of my sertraline and I've been on the same dosage ever since. And it's very weird because, (laughs) and I'm interested to hear if anyone else has had a similar experience because with my daughter, it was hard and it was heavy and it was tough with the postpartum depression and anxiety. However, it was not so much with my son. And I mean, there was a little, you know, the the baby blues, the typical, you know, emotions and all the, the things that you go through because, I mean, your body is going through some fucking crazy hormonal changes, right? So there, it's normal to have some, you know, swings and that sort of thing. But I mean, it very, very different experiences between postpartum with my daughter and postpartum with my son. And I don't know if that has something to do with the different hormones in a baby girl versus a baby boy. I don't know if it's because my daughter, I was induced with her and I ended up getting an epidural with her. Or in with my son, I was completely unmedicated. And that's, <laughs> those are some stories for another time as well. That was, those are some wild fucking rides. But suffice it to say, two very different experiences between you know, the, the postpartum with the boy and the postpartum with the girl. Now here recently, a few months back, I let my prescription lapse and I ended up being off of my antidepressant for about a week. And a not fun fact about antidepressants, you can start experiencing withdrawal symptoms within just a couple of missed doses. So when you miss a full fucking week, it's hell. It is absolute fucking hell. You know, it's just like withdrawing from any drug. You know, you get headaches, shaky, dizzy, fatigue. You know, your mind is foggy. Sometimes even, you know, nausea, um, digestive issues. You know, I was a crab ass. (laughs) I was very stressed. And And then there's this other very weird symptom from what I've read, it's associated mostly with antidepressants, and they call them brain zaps. <laughs> and it's it's weird because from time to time I do, you know, I miss a dose here and there. And I noticed that I would have this very odd sensation. Before I read up on it, I would describe, I would have described it as um, like that moment when you start to fall asleep, but then you like startle yourself awake and you kind of like, snap out of it. That was the best way that I could think of. But what I've read online, I think is a better way to describe it. It's, it's essentially like you get an electric jolt in your brain. And now it's not painful. At least it wasn't for me. But it's just very uncomfortable. It's very disconcerting. And it just kind of just really throws you off. So For those of you out there who are on antidepressants, do not let your fucking prescriptions lapse. Make sure you're filling them on time because you do not want to go through that. Just trust me. You don't want to go through that. And that brings us to the hashtag treat yourself segment of our episode this week. 
this week I just want to challenge all of you to take some time for yourself, of course, at least five minutes and do something that you enjoy that is solely for you. It's not for anyone else. And if you can take the whole damn day, by all means, go on with your bad self. Do it. But take at least five minutes and do something that you enjoy that's for you. Whether that be reading, buying yourself something, painting, singing, fuck driving your car. You know, whatever it is, something that you enjoy and that makes you happy and serves no other purpose but to bring you some joy. And I also, I want to challenge all of you as we go into this holiday season to take a moment and evaluate your own mental health. And if there's something there that is lacking or that just doesn't seem right, call your primary care physician. Make that appointment. You know, it doesn't have to be medication. It can be therapy. And when I say therapy, I'm not just referring to talk therapy. There are all kinds of therapies out there, and I'm not going to get into all of those because I'm certainly not an expert on that. But take that step for yourself. And again, if you're experiencing any suicidal thoughts or ideations, please reach out to someone. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. And again, I'm going to have some links in the uh, show description for various resources for, for help with mental health issues, for suicide prevention, because I just, I don't want anyone else to have to go through what I went through. Because you don't have to. There's a better way to live. You deserve to be happy you deserve to look forward to the next day. You don't. <sighs> you don't have to dread getting out of bed in the mornings. You deserve to be happy. And you can be. That's the thing. You can be happy. And that's not to say that you're not going to have a bad day. It's normal to have bad days. It's normal to be sad now and then. It's normal to be angry. It's normal to grieve. But... Please know it's not normal to feel that way all the time. It's not normal to want to cause yourself harm. That being said, feel free to reach out to me. You can DM me on Instagram. If you have my phone number, you can text me. You can call me. You can shoot me an email. I have um, an email now for the podcast. It's mommy needs the number two e a t t o o at gmail. And I'll again, I'll have that in the um in the the show notes but please don't go it alone you don't have to and as we go into this holiday season i want i challenge all of you also to check in with your friends and family and your loved ones if you notice something is off say something ask the question are you okay because sometimes that's all it's going to take is just that one simple question and that dam is going to break and you might save somebody's life you know, and if, if they kind of blow you off, you can always come back again later, a week later, a day later, and say, hey, I just want to check in on you and make sure you're okay, because that's all it would have taken for me. So please, have compassion. Take care of your loved ones. Take care of yourself. And know that you don't have to go this alone. 
this doesn't have to be your life. Because you fucking deserve to be happy. Thank you for listening to my, my story with uh, mental health issues. And uh, I love you all. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Mommy Needs to Eat Too. If you would like some more content, please visit the Instagram page, Mommy Needs to Eat Too. That's Mommy Needs, the number two, E-A-T-T-O-O. And while you're at it, please share with your friends, share with your enemies. Share with everyone you know. Please go on podchaser.com. Look up Mommy Needs to Eat Too. Leave me a rating. Leave me a review. Feel free to slip into my DMs on Instagram and let me know what you think. Get on Facebook. Let me know what you think. Leave me a comment. However you want to get a hold of me and let me know what you thought of this episode, please do so. And as I've said before, I want to hear what you think, whether good, bad, or indifferent, because this is for you. And it's for me, too. This is kind of a form of therapy for me. Uh, That's all for this week. Tune in next week. And we'll chat then. Love you all. Bye-bye.